have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3. Um, you know, if you're at our Kemsville location or our Volvo location, go ahead and, and uh, get your copy of Scripture, whether it is digital or uh, whether it is uh, leather-bound or hard-bound. Go ahead and get your copy of Scripture. Hold it in your hand because we're going to be looking very closely at God's Word today, James 3, verse 13 through 18. Uh, while you're turning there or flipping there, I uh, want to remind you again that as a church, there are two core components that I talk about each week, part of the culture of our church. Um, the first component is um, praying. As a church, we commit ourselves to pray daily together, even though we might not be in the same place. Uh, we might be separated by uh, location, uh, geography, or time. We're going to commit ourselves to pray every day. And the way we do it here, the way that helps uh, hundreds of us uh, gather together and pray together uh, is at one o'clock for one minute, we pray for one thing. And uh, this week, I, I want to encourage all of us to pray for one thing. And that one thing is simply this. Over the last several weeks, we have had 47 people uh, who have indicated they're ready to join our church and we've had 51 people indicate that they've crossed the line of faith to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, so almost 100 folks in the last three weeks, we need to pray for them. Uh, wherever they are on that journey, whether it's uh, connecting to the church for the first time or uh, trying to find a sense of family and belonging here, uh, whether it's uh, that part of the journey, or someone who has just crossed the line of faith, they need to be part of a family of faith. They need to uh, follow the Lord in believers' baptism as a demonstration and a declaration of their faith. Uh, so uh, let's pray. Let's pray that God would uh, encourage them uh, and, and, and strengthen them and, and uh, uh, bind their hearts to our hearts as a church. And, you know, we're family uh, but that our prayer is that people who connect with us wouldn't find us to be merely friendly people, that they would discover us as family, that we would become family to them. And, and so let's pray one o'clock for one minute this one thing. The 47 people who link their life with this family of faith and the 51 who cross the line of faith to become followers of Jesus Christ. Let's pray for them. And, and, and that would be a wonderful, wonderful journey that we can take. And I believe it will create even an atmosphere of expectancy and life change uh, as we gather together, as we pray uh, for those um, uh, 98 people. Uh, let's pray for them. The second uh, culture that we have as a church, part of our culture, not just prayer, but it's also Bible. You know, we believe it's very important that we commit ourselves uh, to God's Word. And, and there are many different ways that we do that. We try to journal together. There are journals that we walk through together as a family of faith, and you can find out more about that at our guest services. Uh, but the, the easiest one to connect is memorizing Scripture. Now, I know maybe you're not a Scripture memory person, uh, but if, I, if you're a guy and I asked you a sports question, you'd probably know the answer, uh, depending on uh, which sport you found to be your favorite. Um, if, uh, if, if, if there are certain dates that have been important to you, I know 
ladies, some, some dates. There's something happening next Sunday. I've forgotten what it is. I keep forgetting what that is. Um, uh, there are dates that are important. May 12th. Mother's Day, guys. Mother's Day next Sunday. Uh, this uh, year, Mother's Day is May 12th. That is also my dad's birthday. Uh, so I get to do one, I mean, one day I get to take care of both those things. So I, that, that makes life easier for me. Uh, but uh, memorizing scripture is so key for us. It is so key in our growth as followers of Jesus. And I know it can be challenging and daunting, um, but today let's get back into the rhythm of memorizing God's word. And I say, well, I stopped. And some of y'all stopped on February 17th where we had to memorize Genesis 1, 26, and 27. You said, that's way too long. I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, that's okay. Let's pick back up this week, all right? Uh, you, you don't have to have a 50, 49, I think there are 49 weeks, uh, 49 verses memorized perfectly. Let's start with this week. Let's start today. Um, and uh, last week, if you remember, uh, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 was our scripture memory. Um, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but blessed is the man who delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." Verse 3 is the promise to the person who delights themselves in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. That includes scripture memory, okay? So let's commit ourselves to studying God's Word, to memorizing God's Word. This week, week of May 5th, on this little green card, you can find them all over here, um, May 5th. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. So uh, write that down and begin to memorize uh, Romans 1, 16 and 7, because it talks about something that you shouldn't be ashamed of, okay? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, all right? So, so take uh, this week, and it's really, it's a, lot, it's a lot easier than even last week. Uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17, and uh, the more we delight in the word of the Lord, uh, the more blessing we receive and experience from the Lord, and the more uh, blessing our church experiences. There is something important about us, not just hearing somebody else's ideas about the Word of God, but us actually allowing God's Word to take root in our heart and change us. All right? So uh, that is that. Let's pray together, and let's memorize Scripture together. Well, in James chapter 3, James is writing to a group of people that have been going through some hard times. And it's not just that they're going through hard times. It seems like their world politically, publicly, and personally is just turned upside down. Politically, uh, Rome was uh, at war with Jewish people, and Jewish people were at war with Roman people, and Christians were in the middle. Uh, they were kind of uh, compared to the Jewish people, but the Jewish people didn't like the Christian people, and the Christian people uh, were then, uh, you know, uh, just everything had gone crazy. And the press and the pressures and the distress and the duress of life was, was leading to crazy going on in their communities. And what I mean by that is they were not getting along. Nobody was getting along. Everybody was fighting. There were Twitter wars all the time. 
Everybody got on Twitter yelling at everybody else. They got on Facebook and had somebody write a three-page rant and a comment post. It was just, and, and, and it was ideological, it was personal, it was irrational, it was going on all the time. It sounds familiar. There's a lot of that going on in our culture today. You don't have reasoned discourse anymore. You have a bunch of yelling and screaming and dumpster fires. That's what was going on. And so James began to write because he understood that, that with all these external pressures, all the relationships out of sync, things were suffering. People were suffering. And the truth is, when relationships are out of sync, everything goes a little crazy. If your relationships aren't working right, then everything gets a little insane. It gets a little insane in my home. It gets a little insane at the church. It gets a little insane at work. When relationships are out of sync, you know everything else suffers. Uh, several weeks ago, I was uh, in my bathroom, and I... I, I walking barefoot through my bathroom, because it's my bathroom, and walking barefoot through my bathroom, and, and uh, while I'm going from point A to point B, my, uh, my second toe, that, that's the one closest to my big toe, my second toe, finds a ladder that mysteriously, just magically appeared in the middle of the floor of my bathroom. Here's this ladder, and all of a sudden, there it is, and so my middle toe on my left foot finds that ladder, and it began to scream. Not the ladder, my toe. I mean, it was, it was extremely painful. I don't do pain well. I mean, the immediacy of the moment where pain hits, I do it well. I just express it loudly, as you might imagine. I mean, I'm a squealer. Ah! You know, I, I, uh, and so, so I hit it, and everybody, of course, everybody in the house, I, probably nobody was there, but the dogs were appreciative that I was in pain. I, and, uh, uh, that, so, and, then, and then it starts doing different things, the toe. It, you know, it starts, it, it, it's different shapes and different colors. And uh, so, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, but can I tell you, you really don't need your, that toe. That's the one I don't really need. I can do, I, I've been, I mean, it's still a little black and blue and, and purple and hazy and, and, and everything. And, 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 uh, but, and, and can I tell you, it hurts. It hurts right now. That's why I'm talking about it. It's, it, it's painful. I don't need that toe. I mean, I can, I've gone hiking. I've gone fishing. I, I've done life. But I can tell you I'm a little grumpier while I do it. Easter weekend, I remember sitting down after the uh, seventh worship gathering where I spoke, and I sat down, and there was a pain that shot from that toe all the way up to this ear. It was just, and I could feel it. I mean, I was in pain. But, but you know what? I, it, it, it hasn't impeded my journey. It's just made it a little bit more uncomfortable. Um. When our relationships are out of sync, they're not working right. Even relationships that we think we might not need. When relationships are out of sync, we suffer. There are people in this room that you do not know, but you're in relationship with them because you're part of the family of faith. 
And when your relationship with someone in this room is out of sync, can I tell you, it, it affects you. It affects this church. So we need to look at how to build life into our relationships. And that's what, that's what James gets at. In James chapter 3, 13 through 18, he, he's dealing with a couple of things. First, he's dealing with wisdom. And wisdom is adjusting my life to fit God's design. It's living life God's way, not my way, God's way. Can I, and you might write that down because that's, that's the textbook Bible definition of wisdom. Uh, uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's pr- the way Proverbs describe it. Fear of the Lord means that I adjust my life to fit what God wants. So, so if I'm going to be wise, I know that I need to live life God's way. Not the way I think I ought to live it. Not the way I feel I ought to live it. I've got to live life God's way. I need to adjust my life, my everyday life, to fit God's will. All right? God's design, desire, and demands. All right? So, so that's one, de- one word that James talks about. And then the other is peace. He begins by talking in, in James 3.13 about uh, wisdom being peaceable, uh, 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 promoting peace being, uh, in verse 17, peaceable. And then in verse 18, he talks about uh, how that we need to sow peace. Uh, and, and we experience righteousness when we sow peace, when we are peacemakers. See, my contention is, and, and I think this is what James is getting at, is that Um, if we're going to build life in our relationships, then we need to be peacemakers. All right? So let's just take a moment and let's hear what God says in James 3, 13 through 18, okay? And I'll try not, I get distracted with these words because I really like to talk about them while I'm reading them um, because I don't want to miss anything. Uh, So uh, just bear with me. I'll try not to get too distracted, all right? I've already been distracted two or three times. Uh, Who is wise and understanding among you? Can I tell you what understanding means? Uh, See, see what I mean? Uh, So understanding, uh, where wise means I'm going to adjust my life to fit uh, God's design and his desire. Understanding is the skill that the Spirit of God develops in me to apply wisdom to my life, okay, to my relationships. So if I'm going to adjust my life to fit God's design, under, that's wisdom. Understanding is, is the skill to take the wisdom that God gives and apply it to my relationship with my wife, my children, with you, with my neighbor down the road, okay? All right, so that's understanding. Uh, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Again, let me stop. <laughs> uh, here's what James is saying. James said, okay, you say you're wise. You may be, but don't tell me, show me. Wisdom isn't something we talk about. Wisdom is something we do. Wisdom is not dependent upon how many letters I have before my name or after my name. It doesn't matter. Uh, It doesn't depend upon how well I can recite the dictionary or Aristotle or or, um, uh, Billy Joel. Wisdom is dependent upon me living my life in accordance to God's design and desire. Okay? So it's not what I say 
it's how I live, all right? I, I promise I won't stop until later. Uh, let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. We'll talk about that in a second. Verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, don't boast and lie against the truth. That wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. All right, I just got to stop here for a second. So what he says is you may think you're wise, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your life, you are not wise. You, you don't have wisdom. What you got is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Now, he didn't say, he didn't say if you've got homosexuality or adultery in your life. That would apply, but that's not what he said. He said if you've got bitter envy and self-seeking. I mean, that's different. I, that kind of applies to all of us a little bit, Right? If you got bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, that is not wisdom from above, but it's earthly, sensual, demonic. He goes on. Verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. All right, let's dig it. Lean into that for a second. All right. So where envy and self-seeking exist. Now, again, he didn't say uh, alcoholism and drug addiction. He he said where envy and self-seeking exist. Confusion and every evil thing are there. I I just I, I think we need to hold on to that for a second. So what he's saying is, if I've got envy and self-seeking in my heart, then I'm, I'm bathing in every kind of evil thing. And that's what he's talking about. So, and, and by the way, envy and self-seeking are relationship terms. They're terms that describe how we relate to other people. Don't think the way you treat other people is no big deal. It is vitally important. All right? Uh, Verse 17, he, he, he leads us back to the positive. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. That means it's without evil intent. It's first pure, then it's peaceful. That means that it's seeking peace with people. Uh, Third, it's gentle, it's willing to to yield, full of mercy or love and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness, verse 18 is really the point that he's getting at. Everything he says up to this point, he's trying to get us to verse 18. Okay? And that's why the title of this talk is Peacemakers, because that's what he's about to talk about. All right, so, so he's trying to, when he talks about wisdom and righteousness and, and, uh, and peace, he's, he's getting us to verse 18, okay? Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by Peacemakers. Now, righteousness is the pursuit of God's pleasure. The fruit of righteousness, according to Proverbs chapter eleven, verse uh, Proverbs chapter eleven, verse twenty-five or thirty. I think it's thirty. Um, sorry, um, but Proverbs eleven tells us that the fruit of righteousness is the tree of life. 
Here's, here's what James is getting at. He said, I want you as peacemakers to live your life in such a way in wisdom so that by the life that you live in relationship to others, you build life into them. You impart to them life. Husbands, you need to be imparting life to your wives. Wives, you need to be imparting life to your husbands. You need to be imparting life to your friends, to your neighbors, to your classmates, to your co-workers. That's what peacemakers do. So how do we get to the peacemaker status? Well, let's begin with the big idea. Okay, so the big idea is that genuine wisdom grows life-building relationships. We begin with verse 13. He's talking about wisdom. Wisdom is adjusting my life to fit God's design, desire, and demands. Okay, And so that is the big point, that, that wisdom is what we need to embrace. But wisdom shows itself, if you look in verse 13, the humility of wisdom. Now, what's that about? The humility of wisdom is what we see in the person of Jesus Christ humility of wisdom or meekness of wisdom where he let go the throne room of heaven and he shrunk his deity in the skin of humanity and was a baby born in Bethlehem. That is humility of wisdom. Wisdom is doing what God wants, living life God's way. God wanted Jesus to let go the throne room of heaven and become a man, became obedient, the scripture says. He humbled himself, the scripture says. That's humility of wisdom. And that humility extends not only in submission to God, but also for the benefit of sinners like you and me. Jesus left heaven's throne not just so he could go walking down the streets of Jerusalem. He left heaven's throne so that he could die for a sinner like Eric Thomas. So that he could die in your place upon a cross so that he could pay the price for your sin. This is humility of meekness, humility uh, humility of wisdom. Humility of wisdom is where Jesus stretched out his arms and he died the death that I deserved. He did it for me. So when we start talking about wisdom, what we need to start talking about is humility of wisdom. Am I humbling myself before God and others? in order to promote, pursue, communicate God's demand and desires. Not your demands and desires. Can I tell you, we all struggle with control. We all want to be in control. That's why Ephesians 5.21 is one of the most ignored passages in all of that letter. Ephesians 5.21 says that here, it's a summary of everything he says in chapter 5. Uh, really, the end of chapter 4. And, and 521, he says, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. He said, here's what we need to do in order to build life in our relationship, in order to walk in wisdom, fear of the Lord, in order to walk in wisdom, we need to submit to one another. Now, that doesn't have a bunch of conditions to it. It just says, submit to one another. And by the way, that is exactly the opposite of the wisdom that we talk about and that he talk, James talks about in verses 14, 15, and 16. Just kind of sum it up, 14, 15, and 16 talks about a wisdom that is all about me. It's self-seeking, it's arrogant, it's envious of others when they've got stuff. It is combative. 
It's me trying to get everybody else to adjust their life, including God, to fit my desire. All right, that was really a good point. I really want to kind of get you to dig in on that one. All right, so, so if wisdom, true wisdom, genuine wisdom is me adjusting my life to fit God's design, and the expression of that wisdom is humility before God and in service or humility toward others. False wisdom is the opposite. It's where I want everyone else, including God, to adjust their lives to meet my desires, to do what I want. You ever been there? If you have, don't raise your hand, but think about raising your hand because all of us should be raising our hand because all of us have been there. But if we're going to build life into our relationships, we, we can't stay there. So when we look at this passage, we're, we're looking at uh, how worldly wisdom messes things up, and it does. Anytime self-seeking and envy are part of our life, we're creating confusion and every kind of evil thing in the church, in our home, at work, at school. You see how damaging it can be? In 1986, there were two ships in the Baltic Sea, and they were headed toward each other. And uh, neither one of them swerved. They just ran right into each other. Hundreds of people thrown into the icy waters, and there were people killed who lost their lives. Now, here's the thing. The captains of the ships were talking to each other when they crashed into each other. I kid you not, Captain One said, uh, I am the one who is in control. I have the right of way, and you need to yield to me. Captain number two said, no, sir, I'm the one who's in control. I have the right of way, and you need to yield to me. And Captain one said, not going to do it. Captain two said, not going to do it. And they just kept not yielding to each other until they crashed into each other. Isn't that what we do in our relationships? Isn't that what we do in the church. I want my way, and I'm the one who's the bee's knees. I'm the one who, who, who should be yielded to. I've got the right of way. You yield to me, or you say, oh, I, no, I'm the bee's knees. I, I, I'm the one that, 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 that has, has the, the juice or the influence or whatever, and, and, and you should yield to me. It always cracks me up when people come up to me and say, well, I gave so much money to this church. You need to do what I want you to do. I'm like, it doesn't work like that, Bubba. You know, you want to know why it doesn't work like that? Verse 17, wisdom that is from above is pure. It's not without, it's, it doesn't have an evil intent. So you come up to me and you say, you need to do what I want because I got money. I say, well, no, uh, wisdom from above is pure. I'm not going to be manipulated. I'm not going to try to manipulate anybody else with money. It's peaceable, and I want us to get along, but I want 
I want the boundaries to be clear. It's gentle. I'm not going to yell at you. I'm just going to talk to you for a second about this. It's willing to yield. Yes, I'm willing to yield, but thus says the Lord. Can I, can I tell you about yielding? Uh, in church, we would do a lot better if we yielded a lot more on anything that is not thus says the Lord. But if it is thus says the Lord, we do not give up ground. Okay? But there's a difference between thus says the Lord and thus says Eric Thomas. And there's a difference between thus says the Lord and thus says even the Baptist faith and message, 1925, 1963, or 2000. And some of y'all are like, Baptist faith and huh? Thus says the Lord is found in the word of God. And we need to hold close to our heart what God says. But in other things, we need to be more flexible, willing to yield. But then it says without partiality. If we show partiality to people who give money, then we're not pursuing genuine wisdom. Does that make sense? It's just, it's just that simple. I know it's frustrating to some folks because I am absolutely committed to that principle. Absolutely. Uh, but this is, this is what genuine wisdom looks like. All right? Now, if genuine wisdom is all these things, false wisdom is, is this. So what, is, what is verse 18 getting us to do? Well, verse 18 says, now, if, if, if you want a harvest of righteousness in your life in the church, righteousness being pursuing God's pleasure. If you want a harvest of righteousness, righteousness being a tree of life, life giving, uh, life building in your relationships, then we must sow peace. We must sow peace. And when we sow peace, that's wholeness of life, health of life, that's, that's life in concert with the will of God, pursuing God's pleasure. We're doing, we're doing life like that with others when we sow peace, the harvest is going to be life. The, the harvest in our relationship is going to be life. That's why genuine wisdom builds relationships, builds life into our relationships. And it's for our benefit, but it's also for the benefit of others. Look, if, if I am, if I am a, a peacemaker, then the church benefits. If I'm a peacemaker... You benefit. My family benefits. If I'm a peacemaker, I benefit. It's living out loud the wholeness. Peacemaker. Living out loud the wholeness of life that I have in Christ Jesus. That's a peacemaker. Living out loud the wholeness of life that I have as a follower of Jesus Christ. So are you a peacemaker? You're not a peacemaker if envy and, and bitter envy and self-seeking are part of your relationships. That, those don't coexist, okay? So you've got to jettison that. You've got you to you get rid of that stuff. So here's, here's what I want to encourage you, um, as, and we're, we're, we're pretty much done. All right, so I want, us to, I want you to walk out with some to-dos, okay? Just, just some applications that will help. All right. So, um, and, and and more than just more than just writing it down. More, I, I really I really think that if you'll commit yourself 
to some of these application points, you will begin fulfilling what you read about in James 3, 13 through 18. And, and it will make a difference in your relationships. Uh, it reminds me, you know, sometimes we talk a good game, but we don't walk a good walk, right? And that's true of us as followers of Jesus. We talk a good game, but we don't walk a good walk. And, and many times what we're doing is we're singing songs like uh, Willie Nelson sang. I, I haven't done a country music song in a while. Um, Willie Nelson sang this song, and, and, and um, if I get carried away, I'll start singing it. Um, but it, it goes like, maybe I didn't love you quite as often as I could have. And maybe I didn't treat you quite as good as I should have. If I made you feel second best, girl, I'm sorry, I was blind. But hey, you were always on my mind. Yeah, you were, you were always on my mind. Another line, maybe I didn't hold you all those lonely, lonely times. And I guess I never told you, and get, I never told you, I'm so happy that you're mine. Little things I should have said and done. I just never took the time. But hey, you were always on my mind. I didn't do anything for you. I didn't share, show you any love, and I didn't share any love with you. But hey, I thought about you a whole lot. Can I tell you, that's what we do in our Christian life. When we hear a message, we hear God speak, and then we walk away, and we, we've taken our notes, we've, uh, we, we've, we've, we've done all this, but we walk away, and we forget about it. And we think, we think about it. We say, oh, it was on my mind, but we don't do anything. Friends, listen, the Spirit of God is at work in your heart right now to empower you, to equip you, to enable you, to inspire you, to correct you, to equip you so that you can take the message that God has spoken today to you and actually do something with it, all right? So, so don't just say, you were always on my mind. Actually do something, okay? So what do we do? First, adjust your life to fit God's design. You will adjust your life to fit the coach of your kid's soccer team's design. You'll adjust your life to fit uh, the, uh, the Avengers in-game movie design. You'll adjust your life to fit uh, the, uh, the uh, whatever's on TV or whatever schedule comes up. Uh, you'll adjust your life to fit a lot of things. Will you adjust your life to fit God's design. See, God clearly says, this is my will. This is how I want you to live. Will you now live that way? Especially in your relationships with others. Will you live in the meekness or the humility of wisdom where you are submitting to God and submitting to others? Adjust your life to fit God's desire. By the way, that is the definition of wisdom. So genuine wisdom, adjusting my life to fit God's desire. And the humility of wisdom, adjusting my life to fit God's desire as I serve others, bless others. Secondly, adjust your perspective for God's pleasure. Now, what I mean by this is so often we define what we do by what we get out of it. We value based upon 
our pleasures. Think about it. The things we value most are the things that bring us great pleasures. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I go fishing because it's pleasurable to me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I am saying is your priority in life must not be your pleasure, but rather God's pleasure. That's what righteousness is. Righteousness, by definition, is that which is pleasing to God. And so if I'm going to live in righteousness and be a peacemaker and so in peace so that life comes to my relationships, I need to pursue God's pleasure above all things. So many of us, we started in love with people. You know, remember the first time you were in love and, and you were all, oh, you make me feel so good. Oh, you make me so happy. Oh, you complete me. Movie reference. Anyway. Um, again, I am thankful that my wife makes me feel good and she makes me happy. And in so many ways, she adds to my life. I gain great pleasure from being married to my wife, but can I tell you, I'm not in this marriage just for my pleasure. I'm in this marriage for the pleasure of God. How can I please God in this relationship? Instead of evaluating your relationships based upon how they can please you, start evaluating your relationships based upon how can I, in this relationship, bring pleasure to God? We need to adjust our perspective for God's pleasure. And then finally, we need to adjust our actions and our words to promote peace. Can, can, I, can I give you a little to do? And this is really, really straight up action plan, okay? So if we're going to adjust our actions to promote peace, go to verse 17 again. Verse 17, I mean, we have a to-do list. Verse 17, wisdom's from above that leads to life-building relationships is first pure. God, I'm not going to have any evil intent in my relationships. I'm not going to have any evil intent in how I relate to my boss or my coworkers or my classmates. Uh, I'm not going to have any evil intent in how I relate to the person that takes my parking spot at church, makes me walk in the rain. I'm not going to have it. You see what I'm saying? It's evil intent. I'm, I'm going to be pure in my motivations. All right, I'm not going to have any. So number one, if, if I'm going to promote peace, yeah, God, help me be pure. I'm, I want to be pure. I don't want to have any evil intent in my relationships. N- number two, peaceable. God, I don't want to be a quarrelsome person. I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to be a punk. Right, help for me to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control so that when I encounter people, even difficult people, even people that, uh, that, that rub me the wrong way or get on my last nerve, help for me to be peaceable. Help for me to demonstrate and promote peace in their life. Wholeness and health. Life that comes from you. So first, God, help for me to be pure. Second, help for me to be peaceful. Third, God, help for me to be gentle. Even when I'm in a disagreement, help for me to be gentle. 
Fourth, help for me to be flexible, willing to yield. Are you willing to yield? Again, if it's not thus saith the Lord, you better be able to yield. Because that's what peacemakers do. Full of love and good fruits. Uh, Full of love and the fruit that love bears. God, help for me to love others the way you've loved me. This week. Next. Help for me not to show partiality. Usually we show partiality in relationships based upon what people give us or don't expend from us. We'll show partiality that way. Let's not do that this week. And without hypocrisy, let's not make it lip service. Let's actually do it. Let's do it with a heart that's committed for God's pleasure. See, if we'll make this our to-do list, if we'll start blanketing our relationships in this peacemaking project, I can promise you the harvest will be life. Righteousness. Isn't that the kind of marriage you want, the kind of family you want, the kind of church you want? That's the kind of work place you want, an environment in which to serve. That's what begins to happen when we sow peace. We build life into our relationships. And by the way, when Jesus talked about being a peacemaker, he had some pretty good things to say about it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Oh, Jesus values peacemaking. Let's value it too. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, in these next few moments, as you speak to us, as you teach us, as you correct us, Lord, as you put on our hearts even those specific relationships that that need the help, that your word and wisdom provide. I pray, oh God, that we would look to Jesus because really this journey would be futile if we didn't follow after Jesus. If if we weren't um, holding on to Jesus, we wouldn't have the strength we need or the the endurance we need or the, um, the discipline we need to be a peacemaker. So, Father, right now, I pray that for each of us in this room, your people, I pray that we would look to Jesus. And we would look to Jesus and we would find him taking us by the heart and by the hand and leading us. Oh, God, in these next few moments, will you open our eyes and set our gaze on Jesus? Would you open our hearts and set our affections on Jesus. Oh God, will you take these next few moments and transform us, compel us, propel us 
to make peace with others. And now as we set our gaze on Jesus, as, as, as we are captivi- captivated by him, oh God, by your spirit, bolster us, encourage us to walk the path of peace, to live out loud the wholeness of life that you have given to us so that others may see it and be changed by it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.